Havilah's podcast, and I'm Havilah Cunnington. I'm excited about today's podcast because I get to introduce you to a man that I respect, Bill Johnson. Not only has he been a dear friend for over 20 years, he's also one of the spiritual leaders that I look up to, and he's one of my senior pastors. In the beginning of the year, we hosted something called the Online Empowerment Summit. We took time to interview some of my most influential and inspiring friends, and he was one of them. And today, I wanna share that session with you. But first, I wanna ask you, are you someone who wants to learn about preparing a message? Do you have a heart to preach? Do you wanna be an influencer and you're not sure where to start? I'd love to learn more about this and how I can help you specifically. So would you take the two-minute survey? I'll pop them in my show notes and make sure you fill that out for me. So today, let's jump into our podcast with Bill Johnson, and I'll catch you on the other side. I'm really excited to have um, my personal friend and hero, um, and I want to say in the room, but really on the, on the uh, Zoom call, uh, Pastor Bill Johnson. And we have known each other, I'm going to say 22 years, probably yeah, 22-ish okay. years. Yeah. Long, long time. It's an yeah. honor to have you here. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be with you. Thank you for being here. And I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about for a few minutes. But first, I want to bring it to a really serious question, which is, if you could live anywhere in the world, take everything you love with you, where would you live? Oh, (laughs) I love Switzerland. And uh, that would be a consideration. We also love Hawaii. So there's a lot of things like that that we care for. That probably one of those two places, but I'm, right. I'm glad to be in Reading too. Me too. Winter home in Switzerland, summer home in Hawaii, maybe both. Maybe yeah. I always said when we went to Switzerland, it was like landing on a pillow. But then yeah. in Hawaii, it's just it's hard to beat. There's a reason why it's called paradise. It's, it's, <laughs> the is so thick there; it's crazy. <laughs> That's right. We love it too. Well, um, you know, it's exciting. Obviously, we've been at Bethel for five years ish. And um, what, one thing I really love about your teachings, and for those people that don't necessarily know who you are, they know your name, but maybe they don't fully know. Obviously, you are, uh, you're a dad of three kids. You have, you have 10 grandkids now. Is that right? 10? Yep, yep. Um, you, are, you have been the senior pastor at Bethel, but now have handed the reins over to your daughter-in-law and son, Eric and Candace Johnson. They're the senior pastors there. And you lead the movement of, of Bethel um, and, and really spend your energy writing books, writing the, the communicating the culture of Bethel and the, the core values, as well as you, um, you travel to see friends in cities, which are important to you. And then also you fish, which is very important to you as well. <laughs> Hunt and fish. Yeah. <laughs> Hunt and fish. That's right. Every combination. <laughs> which is and or. So, um, so really you're busy doing that, but one of, you know, you have a lot of best-selling books and your latest one is called God is Good. And um, I love this book. Why did you write God is Good? Oh, goodness. Well, it just seems to be a vacuum in people's thinking. And uh, one of my big desires is to influence how people think. It really came out of a command from the Lord, though. He spoke to me in a pastor's prayer meeting. And Mm -hmm. it's the first time I had him actually say, write this book. So that was the reason. That was the reason. What I love about it, I, I was reading through one of these, you know, we're kind of talking about spiritual struggles and that kind of concept of what we're, what we kind of miss. And you wrote these words, which I love. You said, 
Um, what might be even more devastating in this view of God causing evil is that ultimately compromises our ability to discern the difference between God's discipline and an actual demonic assault. So what did you, what did you mean by that? Well, if, if, if we interpret difficulty as God's dealings, then we've give it, given it permission to stay. and We've lost our ability to war against something that the enemy has uh, designed to undermine our faith, our hope, our destiny, whatever. Yeah. Because we've given it permission to stay. We, we do it a lot with, uh, with issues of the heart, too. We, we give them noble titles. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just discernment. I'm, I'm just discerning my environment. I'm not jealous. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gossiping. Uh, whenever you give a, a virtuous name to uh, something that's broken, uh, you actually give it permission to stay, and you, you add your strength to a weakness. Yeah. In a long way. I love that. Permission to stay. Like, that's really fascinating that the, the power was within the believer to decide what we have in our world. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I personally, I think most of the things that come our way uh, that we give permission for those things to stay, we've done it because we've not discerned that it's the enemy's attempt to undermine it. I, I, I think it's the majority of the things that, uh, you know, God's a good father and he, he's able to use anything for our benefit, but especially for people who are passionate. Now, this was a big deal for me. Very hungry for God, always wanting more, uh, really dissatisfied with myself, dissatisfied with my experience. And I, I would interpret anything negative as God's dealings with me because of my hunger for him. And it was almost like uh, it made me feel better about difficulty because I knew it was under something. And uh, there's a certain amount of deception in that. I mean, I, I know that God uses stuff, you know, yeah. look, at look at all the stuff that goes on in the word, but God didn't create any of those uh, problems in a sense. Uh, you know, Jonah did, uh, you know, when he just said no to God. And so sometimes our resistance to God creates our own issues of problems, uh, disciplines. And the, the point I'm trying to make is that I, I just think we, we underestimate the power of giving permission to the enemy. Yeah. Just and destroy. Yeah. And call it God's dealings. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I've seen that in my own life as well as I think in leaders' lives where sometimes because we want God so desperately, we want to label things as God so that we don't, we're not concerned. Maybe, you know, if we hit something that's hard or a sickness or a difficulty or something, we're just going, it's got to be God because my heart is right. But it is interesting, the power of it. I think one thing that I've really loved about being under and within your leadership is that is that you really have chosen to focus on a big God, small devil, and the dealings. I think sometimes the church has been obsessed with the, the warfare kind of reality. And, and what was kind of maybe your shift in thinking, or have you always kind of thought that way about um, you know, warfare and spiritual warfare, but I just have noticed that you've chosen to get your focus more on who God is. And, and what was that kind of moment in your life when you decided to do that? Oh, the other doesn't work. Mm. Just, you know, you're shadow boxing. You spend your whole life shadow boxing. You spend your whole life, you know, swinging and fighting, but there's no progress because yeah. you're, so, you're so focused on conflict, on problems, on the devil, on it just doesn't work, you know, and that's eventually you get tired of 
of giving spiritual titles to things God isn't doing. Hmm. And it, it's, it becomes frustrating enough where you're forced to learn a lesson. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, uh, in the Psalms, what is it, 127, it says, God is able to provide for you even while you sleep. And uh, the point is, is some of the gains that we get in God actually happen while we're resting hmm. and not while we're fighting. So there's that strange combination. You know, the violent take it by force. So we have that part of the kingdom. But then we have the Mark 10 part where he says, unless you receive it as a child, you can't enter it. So there's a rest element. And so those describe the two seasons of our life. And we are either in one or the other. We're either in a moment of inheritance, or he's affirming our identity as a son or daughter, or he's affirming our role uh, of one of authority in warfare, in battle. It's never for failure. It's always for advancement. And yeah. so it's, those are the two seasons. And yeah. uh, the seasons may last a day, may last six months, but uh, uh, but those are the two things. And if we if we don't get that down, then we live in continual frustration. Yeah. So I, yeah, I love that. I love that because what you're saying is that when you when you get the wrong season, then frustration happens because we're trying to live in a different season than the one that God. We're getting the, the thing wrong, which I think is, that's really well said. I love that. You know, I think what's interesting is having been with you, you know, there's a season when you lost your dad, who was kind of the, the matriarch of everything that, you know, we even have when you walk into our auditorium, you'll see your dad's picture and a monument to him and, and just the, his beautiful life. And um, one thing that was really, I think, impacting to our community was just this, the, you preached the week before. And the week after your dad went into a cast to heaven. And I just think it's interesting. You said some things you said, I'll never be able to offer God what I'm offering him today. And I think there are a lot of people that are watching this that are experiencing some really hard stuff. And I'm curious how you didn't blame God in the middle of it. Um, it wasn't a lesson that just, I learned at that moment. It was yeah. one that had been progressive for a number of years. Hmm. But when you have a loss like that, um, I I had learned too much about his goodness, his kindness as a father to me, to blame him. Um, it, it would have been it would have been almost denying my faith in a sense. Yeah. Of, of what he had poured into me up to that time, you know, we had been experiencing this wonderful outpouring. We experienced a lot of opposition, a lot of junk too. But it's so pale by comparison that we were just thrilled to be in the moment, you know? And so when he died, um, that was a great disappointment and a great loss. It was not what we expected, certainly not what we wanted. But God, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, it says the mysteries belong to him. Hmm. And the things revealed are our possession forever. So the mysteries belong to him. So there's a, there's a point where faith is proven as faith because mystery remains. In other words, I don't have an answer. And so if I'm going to live a true life of faith, that means I have to embrace the mystery and, and not use the mystery as a point of accusation for God or questioning me or questioning other you know, people around me. It's, it's I grab my moment. Yeah. And I know that it's true. I may question many things. My faith, my strength, my whatever. 
But the one thing that I know is absolutely true is, is God is always, always, always good. He's a perfect father. And so praise is given as an offering based on what I know to be true. And in hard moments, we question a lot of things. I can never afford to question him. And so that's my, that's my one rock-solid place to go to. Yeah. Him to be, and then give him an appropriate response. Praise, worship, really, is our response to his worth. So there's hmm. some sort of acknowledgement that I have to have um, of who I know him to be. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. I love that. I, I think about my dad once said, I think there's a file in heaven. Uh-oh, is that me or you? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, my, I remember my dad saying at one point, um, there's a file in heaven that says, I don't understand. And I file things away in the I don't understand to be opened when I get to heaven. And I, I just have often thought about how much we spend our energy trying to understand the mystery versus saying, I am... I trust that you are God and I am not. Yeah. And I trust yeah. you enough that I can file it away as I don't fully see or understand or can comprehend what just happened. But I, I'm not going to let it maybe taint my experience here, but I'm going to trust that there'll be a day when all things will be revealed. Yeah. And I, I think there's something about that moment of trust. Like you said, there is not faith without mystery. And I, I think that's so key. I wonder how much of our energy as believers are spent trying to define the mysteries rather rather than worshiping the things we already know to be true, which yeah. is good and he is holy and he is. So I, I just think that's really well said. It makes me want to ponder that for a season. And um, I know that it has, you know, there's a lot in life that has cost you as a leader, as a man to, to be willing to fight for, God to be seen as he really is. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I would, I'm, I'm curious. I think some people would ask, do you still battle and do you still face warfare? I know that sounds kind of like, well, of course, you know, there's things, but people see you as Bill Johnson, you know, the, the, the man of faith, the man of healing the you know, the, 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 the father in so many ways, how do you, how do you maybe experience warfare and then what are some some practical way that you kind of combat that well yeah of course there's there's always war warfare if if you don't run into the devil now and then you might be going the same direction <laughs> that's right 90 um, percent of the warfare is in the mind and so that's where the battle is and so you you've got to think biblically you have to you what i do is i review promises I review the pro prophetic words over my life. I review my own history with God. Um, you know, the statement that I, I've made through the years is that if you make history with God, he'll make history through you. And so one thing, um, one thing I can't impart to anyone is my history with God. So that's what I do is I'll review that. I'll review maybe a word that somebody gave me. I'll review a promise that I got while I was reading the scripture. I remember walking on the property in Weaverville one time, just weeping before the Lord, and he gave me a promise. And, uh, and so I have that marked uh, in, in my mind, and I'll go and I'll review those kinds of moments in my history with God. He's a covenant-making yeah. God. Yeah. He, he likes making covenant. He likes making agreements. They're not contracts, contracts in a sterile sense, but they're, they're covenants. They're relational agreements. And uh, that's what he's like. And, and he likes 
he likes for us to think that way. And so what I do is I review this and I, I, it's a huge part of my life. Um, when I was going through a real physical challenge last year, I spent a huge amount of time just on my iPad, just bringing up prophetic words, both in print and in, in video and just watching them and just re re reminding myself of what he has said. And, um, and so I, I can't afford to be far from that. Mm. That a pretty close part of my life, always. always. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I can't afford to be far from everything that he's promised or said. I love that. And yeah. I think anyone who's watching this can take anything. You don't have to have a massive prophetic word. I mean, there are, there are promises that are in the word right now they can take and they can yeah. take it as theirs and they can walk with it. And then God will confirm it through the prophetic words with other people. So I love that. And that you're known for that, carrying it around back in the day without, I mean, there used to not be an iPad. Now we have it all accessible. We used to have binders. Remember with the plastic sheets? We oh, yeah. in. Right. Oh, there it is. Okay. Let's see. You see the white ones right there? Yes. Huge binders. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, right. I mean, we never, now with everything right here, but before it was like, let me get my bag of stuff, carry it with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have them all on my iPad yet, so I have to resort to the paper. Oh man, I'm with you completely. It is uh it is really, really true. It takes it is the practice of, of acknowledging what God has said about us that is warfare. I mean, it's so cool when we really just I think that's what I love about what Bethel has and our community has really nurtured is just this really valuing what he has said and not moving from what he has said. And that is warfare is, is not, not deviating from that moment of just, this is what he has said and we're going to stay here. And it is, it is very, it's a beautiful thing that happens here. And I love it. I love being a part of this community. I'm curious, um, 2018, obviously 2000 last year was an intense year for you as a family. And you guys went through a lot physically um, and you really have, have really come at, at the other end of that. But for 2018, what are you excited about? Is there any project or book or even event, you know, fishing trip that you're excited about for 2018? Well, I have two books that will be completed. Really? Yeah, one I've been working on for a while. It's called The Way of Life. And it has, it's basically the practical ways that heaven's culture can be implemented and lived in now. And, uh, and so it's, it's, a uh, that's cool. It, yeah. It's kind of, um, it's kind of an inside look on how life works when you live with heaven's culture, because most culture in churches is church culture and it has, it has a measure of success, but it's not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture can be transferred from church life to, you know, CEO of a co uh, corporation to a political yeah arena to sports to kingdom culture works everywhere and so that's the uh, real passion that we have is to be architects of culture in the sense that we discover the, the practical ways that heaven works implement it here and for example in heaven every person is celebrated and so if that is a reality here um. then we have to find the gold so to speak the language that we use a lot find the golden people and celebrate it now so there's ways that we do that. And uh, we've been experimenting uh, for many, many years, very aggressively, I would say, for the last 17 or 18 years, 19 years. 
and uh, and so anyway, there's that book. I have one on raising children, <laughs> raising children, uh, raising giant killers. Come on, is it really? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's the title we'll go with, raising giant killers, and we'll uh, we'll have that. Uh, I'll, I am supposed to be finished by the. By <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, some of the greatest statements of faith of an author is it will be done. <laughs> Hopefully. Bye. <laughs> publishers trust me as a oh, Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I love that. I mean, back to the first book, I think um, absolutely. Because one thing that we've been focusing on, at least that I've seen in our community is, is how do we leave legacy? How do we build culture? How do we duplicate what we have? Yeah, yeah. So one thing we, when we travel from Bethel, one of the core values is that we export what's happening here. We never go out there and do something that we're not doing here. Just like we would do in our own families. I wouldn't preach or teach something outside of what I'm already living here. I might not be doing it perfectly. <laughs> I, may not, I may not say, like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. I may say, well, try, follow Christ as I'm trying to follow Christ. Um, but but we, we really live off. We want to be as authentic as we can to what we are, are doing. And then, so I, I love that thought. And I think there's a lot of people in here that will say, well, I, I'm not a pastor. So I love that the concept of, well, no, it's any aspect and area of life that you're living. These core values can be implemented in your family, in your marriage, in your church, in your corporation, in your, on your blog, on your podcast, whatever it is. So I'm very excited about that. And I would say any of your parenting stuff, clearly people want to know the secret sauce to, you know, to two sons and a daughter that are all living within their call and, you know, doing what God's called them to do. Do you have any thoughts for parents that are out there that, that are, are not raising giant killers. They think they're going to kill giant killers. <laughs> so is that the sequel? Don't kill your giant killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't kill them while you're raising them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff. It, a lot of it is consistency. A lot of it is learn, you know, get God's passion for your kids. Uh, mm. You know, Learn to discern the direction they should go, not the direction you want them to go. There's a lot of that stuff, you know. Uh, live with hope. Uh, live with hope regardless of circumstances. You know, uh, don't don't mirror the circumstances around your kids. Don't mirror it with your language, your conversation, your you know uh, decrees over them. It, don't don't be a reflection of culture. Change culture by depositing something that's life changing in them. And you do that with uh, with hope. You do that by making decrees. You do it with secret weapons, and every mom knows it, and that's prayer. Yeah. They're not looking, you know. Uh, I would go into the rooms, lay hands on yes. them. Night after night after night while they would sleep, you know, into their teens. I still yep. do that. And, and, but the point is, is just hope has to have a huge part of your life. And if, if you're negative at home, you're going to raise negative kids. Hmm. And, uh, you've got to take advantage of family time, make sure it's positive. Yeah. Um, it, most of your dialogue needs to be encouraging. It uh, doesn't mean correction isn't there. It's just if you, if you need to correct, you know, they say it takes seven positive comments to recover from a negative. So make sure that you're, that we are outnumbering. Yeah. Seven yeah. Is, is our, is our goal. Seven to one. True. If we have to bring correction, it's necessary, but there should be a whole bunch more that we celebrate. So I love that. I love that. And you're also really good at playing with your kids. And, you know, you have this annual trip. You take your, your sons and your son-in-law on. And 
you're, I think actually Vinny was on it this year, but yeah, you really, you've really, I think for any busy person that's watching this, that has their, their, their life is full, which you could be busy every hour of the day. That's just the truth of your life. But, but you've chosen to take time to play and, and to have a life outside because you don't, I think what's interesting. And again, I don't have time to get into all this because part of it is just being around you, but you really don't see two different worlds. Everything is the same. Everything is intermixed. And so there isn't a difference. Is that, would that be a core value in kind of how you live? Absolutely. If you, if you separate natural from spiritual, you will improperly prioritize because we don't, you know, I don't, I'm not impressed with my ability to discern, you know, the significance of a moment because yeah. sometimes his emphasis is on a natural when I would emphasize the spiritual. And um, so mm. the, the whole point for me is, is everything is as under the Lord. Yeah. If it's, if it's a vacation, it's under the Lord. If it's a ministry trip in China, it's under the Lord. It, and there, I refuse to separate the two. When I have my goals, my visions for my life listed, I have a hunt in New Zealand listed right next to X amount of empty wheelchairs. Um, I'm, I'm not going to distinguish between the two because I found he uses each of those as building blocks to reveal to me what he's like. It's all about discovering him. And so sometimes it's through blessings. Sometimes it's through making it through a challenge. Sometimes it's through ministry opportunity, favor. Yeah. 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 I hope that you write a book on that one day. <laughs> Add that to the list. Yes. I would like to see a little bit. I mean, that concept, I think our generation and specifically anybody who's a little type A, which I used to be, yeah. uh, it's, it's good to hear that. And, you know, there is there's something very powerful about merging our worlds and living the same way everywhere is yeah. a really important thing. I, I'm so, I love you so much. I respect you, you have my immense respect. And I want to encourage anyone who's watching this, please pick up the Goddess Good book. I have, I have mine is completely underlined and highlighted. I'm on my second round through it. Uh, but really it's, it's not just a book. It's a life's work. And I think it's a, it's a core value. You can, um, where can everybody find you? I know you're, I assume you're at BillJohnson.com. I don't know if you have a, a .com or are they just, is it Bethel mostly? I think it's, no, I think it's BJM. Okay. Bill Johnson's a pretty common name. So. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On Bethel. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything. And you have lots of books. There's incredible books that you've written as well. And um, any anything, I mean, you do speak regularly, obviously, at Bethel, so they can catch you on podcasts as well. And um, also, you have some e-courses, too. I know we didn't, We. I, I want to make sure I highlight those, because last year you did one. I think there's one that is continuing to be the biggest one um, in our world, but it's the um, the Power of a Transformed Life. Is that right, Mind? My, ba- my brain. Again, I probably need it after four children. <laughs> <laughs> it's that one that continues as well as there's other there's other things that are coming out this year for child raising and all that so i love you i know you're a very busy man i respect you and thank you for your time and thank you for being on here always a joy to see you well i hope that really blessed your life i hope that everything god was trying to get to you you grabbed a hold of Again, don't forget to give me a shout out on the socials. I'm there almost every day. And if this podcast really spoke to you, would you consider leaving a review so others can find this podcast and as well as some stars? I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.